everybody, welcome into the Irish NFL show. We're getting to the end of June. We're almost there. We can almost smell training camp. Welcome into Colin O'Brien, but our first big guest this week is a guy with a seven-year NFL career across a number of teams at Garden Center, now writer for The Athletic, uh, commented on NFL games with Westwood One, and you can catch his insightful podcast, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. We're delighted to welcome Ross Tucker to the Irish NFL show. Ross, welcome in. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I mean, first of all, you guys are a big deal. You guys are doing awesome with your show. So uh, kudos for that. I've seen some of the work you guys have done, so I'm excited to be on it. As you guys know, I've got a bunch of them. Ross Tucker football podcast is every day. Then I got even money if you like to bet on the games. Fantasy Feast, if you're in a fantasy football. Andrew Brandt does the business of sports. And then I've got the College Draft podcast as well. Plus, even though I've never been to Ireland, I feel like I would fit in real well <laughs> in Ireland. I've got some Irish blood in me. Um, I like to drink beer and I uh, get sunburnt easily. So I've got those two Irish things going for me. I was, I was actually going to ask you if you ever had been to Ireland. That's, that's great. Uh, you, you were saying Irish blood. Have you any uh, indication of where that is or just, just Ireland generally? Or You know, I'm not sure. That's a good question. I'm, I think I'm like 25% Irish, 25% English, and 50% German, something like that. So uh, it's on my dad's side. One of, I guess, my great grandparents, one of them was from Ireland. The other one was from England and the rest, they say, is, is history. So, yeah, I, I'm, those, are, those are my, that's my ethnicity. I'm, I'm German, English, Irish. Ross, uh, I love a beer and you get sunburned easily. I think we are definitely related. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, as Michael said in the intro, like uh, played in the, in the league uh, across a number of teams and, and for a couple of notable coaches. Can you talk to us about your uh, time playing in, in the league and what that was like? Yeah, so I'll go through my head coaches for you guys. Marty Schottenheimer, Steve Spurrier, Dave Campo, Bill Parcells, Greg Williams, Mike Malarkey, Bill Belichick, Romeo Cornell, and Joe Gibbs. So I think that that's like nine, which is really hard to do when you only play seven years in the NFL. It's really hard to have nine coaches. You got to bounce around quite a bit like I did. You got to have coaches getting fired. And that happened after my first three years. I mean, I had six coaches my first three years because they kept getting fired. So I kept having both and then they'd fire me and I'd go to the next team and they'd fire that guy, bring in a new guy. Uh, it's kind of crazy. But yeah, I mean, I guess four of them are Hall of Fame caliber, certainly with Schottenheimer and Parcells, who's in the Hall of Fame, Gibbs in the Hall of Fame, Belichick will be in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, quite a group, I'd say. Ross, you were forced to retire in 2007 with a, with a serious neck injury. And as, as it's transpired now, you have a really good career in the media side, of business, media side of business, the podcast empire, as you touched on at the start of the show. When you were retiring, did you have any thoughts about what you were going to do? Was it a shock that, I suppose, at that stage you had to retire? And I suppose, how comfortable were you going into the media side of things? Yeah, so a couple things. One is I, my dad, and you guys will have to do the uh, the equivalencies, but my dad is five foot nine, 170 pounds. 
He's not a, a big man. And so growing up, I think like everybody in the United States, I wanted to be a football player. I wanted to play in the NFL. I grew up near Philadelphia, so I wanted to play for the Eagles and Penn State. Columns rocking the Penn State t-shirt, so and Penn State. Uh, but I was a late bloomer. And so I think maybe, I don't know, like seventh grade, I kind of gave up on trying to be like an NFL player. You know, seventh or eighth grade, I was a late bloomer, uh, late bloomer. I went through puberty late. So I'm looking at these other guys that are like 6'1", 6'2". Eighth grade, I'm 5'6", and a chubby 150. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to the NFL, that's for sure. So I thought, I want to be a broadcaster. I always loved it. I used to race my dad in the morning to read the local newspaper. I just loved it. I love reading the local newspaper. I love listening or watching on TV. I thought I'd work for ESPN or write for Sports Illustrated. But uh, after that, I started to grow fast. I grew basically three inches a year after that. I went from five, six to five, nine, five, nine to six foot, six foot to six, three, six, three to just about six, five. And I was also gaining about 25, 30 pounds a year. So 150, 180, 210, 240, 270, 300. And so uh, then it kind of came back like, yeah, maybe I can give the NFL a chance. I was actually thrilled that football enabled me to be able to go to a school like Princeton and be able to get a good job and all that stuff. But then I got a shot in the NFL and I actually did an internship every off season in the NFL. So all you're doing is lifting weights in the morning four days a week, I wanted to explore some other professions to get an idea for what I liked, what I didn't like, what I might want to do for the rest of my life. I kind of forgot about media. You know, I, I kind of started to think about more finance or when I played for the Dallas Cowboys, I interned with Roger Stallback's company. So I always had other things going on. But going into my last year, I didn't know it would be my last year in the NFL. The NFL had a broadcast boot camp, uh, and I went to the first one they ever had. And I remember thinking, you know what? I got to do something football, right? Like, even if I'm working on Wall Street or in finance during the week, I got to call a game on Friday night, or I got to call the Princeton game on Saturday. It turned out against the Ravens, I hurt my neck. It was on the wedge. They outlawed. They don't even let you have the wedge anymore. But I was on a four-man wedge. So back then, guys, you'd really lock arms with the guys on either side of you. And you were like a moving wall of humanity just in front of the, the ball carrier. And then these linebackers would come flying down and try to split you, just try to be a wedge buster. It was crazy. It's a good thing the NFL outlawed it. It's ridiculous, frankly, that it lasted as long as it did. I hit this kid from uh, the Ravens, Prescott Burgess. I believe he got a separated shoulder and a concussion. And I was like, yeah. Um, when I went, yeah, after I hit him, my whole left arm went numb. It turned out I got like the worst stinger of my life, which is a pinched nerve in your neck. I herniated my C5, C6 and bruised my spinal cord. Um, which is pretty scary. So I remember asking the doctor, I'm like, okay, you know, what do you think? 
and he said, I think you're 28 and you went to Princeton and you should get a real job. So I said, okay, uh, I, I guess I will then. So uh, that was my story, but I'd gone to that broadcasting boot camp. I had made some good contacts there and I had told Peter King that I wanted to write. I wanted to be the first former player or current player that was actually writing stories for Sports Illustrated. So I wrote his Monday morning quarterback and it, it got, it was September of 2007. If you want to Google it, try to find it, Ross Tucker, Sports Illustrated, whatever. And I wrote about my career being over and I ended up getting a bunch of job offers just from that. I got offered a job by Sirius XM, NFL Radio. I got offered a job by Comcast on television. I started to do the Princeton games on the radio and I started to write for Sports Illustrated. So I had a media career like in two weeks after getting hurt, uh, which is just unheard of. Very fortunate. The lesson there is uh, after the broadcast boot camp, I saw Peter King at the facility. It was called Redskin Park. I don't know what they call it now. And I introduced myself. I said, hi, Peter. I'm Ross Tucker. Uh, here's my idea. I want to write. He loved it. He let me do it. And from there, um, it kind of took off. And here I am 14 years later. I'm 42 years old and uh, happy to say to that spine surgeon, I still haven't gotten a real job. <laughs> so I, honestly, like I think anybody that watches NFL here or is even getting it, like, that, that's a fantastic story as well, Ross, to see your progress. And you just about missed out on the international series coming to London in 07. Uh, obviously going into the media and stuff. Did you ever sort of get a chance to go over to London? What, what's your thoughts on the growth of the game? Because it has changed massively since you have hung up the cleats uh, and obviously Germany now as well. Yeah, so I've been over and called games over there at least twice, maybe three times. Um, I called a game between the Rams and the Patriots. I want to say like 2011, maybe. And I actually was the MC with my buddy, Neil Reynolds. I was the MC of the NFL kickoff event at Trafalgar Square with like 30,000 people in Trafalgar Square. It was unbelievable. I felt like I was a rock star. It was amazing. And then I also did, I think it was Jaguars Ravens. I think I went over there to do Jaguars Ravens as well i might have did i stay for a whole week and do two games i can't recall but i've been over a couple times it's so cool i would do those games every year if i could what i love about it is it's like a festival it's like a party atmosphere and when you look at the jerseys everybody wears the jerseys of the team they support so it's like a kaleidoscope of colors you know, you see like the orange Broncos or, you know, this, it, it's really, it's really a, a cool, special thing. And um, look, I'm biased. I think American football is the best sport out there. So I want to grow it to as, as many countries as we can. I want as many kids as possible to see it. I want as many kids as possible to play it. I played soccer from age six to age 12, um, or age 11. I really like soccer. I think it's really fun. I don't think it's as fun 
as running into somebody as hard as you can and knocking them over. I, I just think that's hilarious every time. It's amazing. So soccer, fun sport, kicking the ball. You know, you can be physical. But, man, if you've never had the chance to do it, and I've tried to think about ways I could start a business doing this, running as fast as you can and just, bam, hitting a dude as hard as you can, smashing them into the ground. I mean, there's no better feeling than that. There's no better. And I've had plenty of sex in my life. I'm telling you, smoking a dude is better. It is amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Ross, I, as you were uh, telling the, those stories, particularly that story about like how, you know, you, 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 that, that growth spurt, I was thinking about that photograph that you put up recently of you and Andrew Brandt and uh, the, the, the size differential. And I know, obviously, you, you've been working together, I think, for about 10 years, I think, uh, now and, and uh, the, the, the Business of Football podcast. You went to Princeton, Andrew's guy went to, to Stanford and, and Georgetown. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, working with him and, and about that, that particular podcast? Absolutely. So uh, the first thing I would tell you is I'm, I'm only like 250 pounds now. So I'm a good 70 pounds less than I used to play at. So I'm a lot lighter than I used to be. And I'm trying, I, I work hard, man, to, during the week at least working out, trying to eat the right things to try to keep my weight down, trying to be healthy for my daughters. Uh, but yes, I'm still quite a bit bigger than Andrew Brandt, certainly. Um, but, uh, and by the way, I'm glad you referenced that picture, Colm. Certainly check me out on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. Once the season gets here, I post the videos of the press box food, press box buffets. Now, I don't know with COVID, what they'll be like this year. But I love posting those videos of the press box food. So you're going to want to make sure to follow me for that. You know, I believe in specialization, right? So on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, I always have Andrew Brandt every week because he was an NFL executive for 10 years, right? So he knows what it's like to negotiate those contracts, to be part of those trade talks. So, you know, he knows more about that stuff than I do. So why not have an expert on and discuss them? Meanwhile, I also have Greg Cosell from NFL Films every week. Greg Cosell has been at NFL Films for 42 years. He is the civilian goat when it comes to breaking down video. So I have the hardcore video breakdowns with Greg Cosell. I have the business stuff with Andrew Brandt. And then the other guest I bring on each week, I usually rotate between former or current players or analysts or executives. I've had Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Bears on recently, Andrew Barry, the GM of the Browns, because I like to give a different perspective each week as well. Ross, last year when the CBA was being signed, you were quite outspoken about wanting players to sign it and accept it as a 17 game within the season. And I suppose was some players who have a lot of money and have earned quite a substantial amount of money playing in the career. You're focused on players that are in the league for two to three years minimum who would see that 100K, 200K for that last game as substantial to I suppose, secure the family going forward. So a year on and with the pandemic and we have players who are adamant that they're not going to take the vaccine and we've seen the league with the mandate about how difficult they're going to make it for players who don't get vaccinated. What's your whole thoughts on that, on that situation? 
Well, I think a lot of them will get vaccinated. I, I think when they see what it's like for the vaccinated guys versus what it's like for them, they're going to have to really, really be opposed to it. I mean, they're going to have to really feel strongly against it to not get vaccinated because man, they'll, they'll, their, their life will be a lot different. Their life will be like it was last year. And it doesn't have to be that way. You know, they're deciding to make it that way. So I think a lot of them will end up getting vaccinated. Also, by the way, to your point, thank goodness they signed that CBA. Can you imagine how much less negotiating power they would have had after COVID came? Can you imagine what that would have looked like? That would have been an absolute disaster for them. The NFL owners would have used that as leverage against them, and they would have gotten a much worse deal. Now, look, none of us knew this was going to happen, but it's certainly very smart of the NFLPA to have gotten that deal done ahead of COVID because it would have looked a lot worse if they had waited until after COVID, certainly. Um, and I, I just think, yes, the 17th game is tougher on their bodies. However, these guys have really short careers, most of them. Most of them have short careers. Most of them make the minimum. Every game check is significant. But that's also one of the problems with the NFLPA, right, is that the guys like Aaron Rodgers or J.J. Watt making over $20 million, whatever they're making, they just look at it differently. You know, they already have enough money for the rest of their lives. They don't want to take the injury risk or the wear and tear of the other game. Meanwhile, all the other guys like me are like, dude, shut up. I need that game. I, I, I need to be able to play. I need that paycheck. We need it. They signed it two weeks before the world went into lockdown. Two weeks. That is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, very, very helpful. Ross, we're, we're going to try and do a quick fire question each in the next three and a half minutes. But if you have to jump, don't worry, it's fine. Uh, just, just really quickly, obviously, Frank Clark uh, this week being arrested for firearms issues. He has had issues off the field since he was drafted from Michigan. The Chiefs have time and time again been able to offset character issues with some players for the greater good of the team. Seattle obviously treated him away because they were concerned with the issues. These are now appearing again. Uh, what's your thoughts on how the Chiefs will manage the situation with Frank Clark? Um... Well, first of all, I mean, I think this is being blown out of proportion. Which one of us hasn't been caught with an Uzi in our Lamborghini, okay? I mean, we've all been there. We've all had an Uzi out in our Lamborghini. It's not that big a deal. I used to do that in high school all the time. No, I'm kidding, obviously. I mean, what are we talking about? Uh, You know, I, I don't know, man. I mean... I think we talked about this on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. I asked Greg Cosell about it because I think he's going to miss a game or two. You can't have two gun-related charges in the same offseason. It's such a bad look. And to your point, he did come into the NFL with a red flag. That's why he got drafted where he did because he had some issues going back to Michigan. 
Ross, um, as a, a former um, O-line guy, just interested um, in your take on, well, the Steelers, but in general. So the Steelers have ch- four guys, uh, changes, guys who played 13 games plus last year, left tackle, left guard, center and right guard, all changed one off season. How is that like, is, is it possible to make that many changes on an O-line in one off season from guys who were starters and be a quality unit again the following season? So it's not real conducive to success. I mean, they might be able to do it, but I'm worried about the Steelers offensive line. Big Ben came back for one more year. I'm not sure he came back for this. Now they have had major issues last year on the offensive line. So maybe the thought process is it can't be worse, right? We make these changes, but I don't know if DeCastro wants to play anymore. Um, I guess he's had some issues with his ankle. They might sign Trey Turner. Uh, but still, the thought process was you'd be able to have somebody decent at right guard. They better get Trey Turner to have at least someone that they can feel like they count on. Ross, just a quick question regarding uh, Lamar Jackson this week. He's come out with, I suppose, he's renegotiating the contract with Baltimore and he's allowing his mother to be the one doing the, negotiate, doing the negotiating. Um, some people have questioned whether the Ravens will take advantage of that situation. Do you think you should do a smart move and get an agent involved uh, potentially and, and have someone look at the fine detail of the contract? You know, I won't really know the answer to that until I see the contract that he ends up signing. But my guess is, yeah, probably. I don't know enough about his mom or Lamar to know, to really answer that. Um, but there's that that's a big contract. There's a lot of paperwork there. There's a lot of fine print. Um, I don't think the Ravens want to be in a situation where they feel like they took advantage of him. That doesn't help them. But there's still structure and things like that that could be conducive to Baltimore. Just before we go, Ross, could you tell us, just remind us again about your podcast, Empire, if anybody from Ireland or the UK wants to check it out? Well, everyone from Ireland and the UK should check it out. Why not? You can't listen to the Irish NFL show every second of every day. So while you're on your way, do you guys hate, like if I was about to say, on your way to, uh, to the pub to have a pint of Guinness, is that like such a stereotype that like it makes you sick or is it like, oh no, that's actually true. That's true. That's, gone. that's what the three of us are doing tomorrow <laughs> night together. So <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I love, I, oh, is that, that's true. So that's like, that is like, that's like, that's not just like a uh, stereotype. That's, that's really what you guys do. Yes. Yeah. It's reality. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, listen, while you're, uh, while you're walking or driving or whatever you're doing to the pub to get your pint of Guinness, check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Or if you like betting, we've been killing it the last few years on the Even Money Podcast. If you're in a fantasy football, fantasy feast. But the key is the Ross Tucker Football Podcast because it's the only podcast, 30 minutes every day, you get a former player's perspective with a guest on what's going on in the NFL. If you love the NFL, you will love that show. All available, RossTucker.com. We got a YouTube page, YouTube.com slash NFL if you want to watch it or wherever podcasts can be found. 
Ross, you've been an absolute gentleman to our viewers. Check out at, at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter. You will not regret following Ross. He does some great, great stuff. Thanks again for taking the time to chat to us today, Ross. My pleasure, dudes. Thank you so much for having me. And if I come over to Ireland, we are drinking together. I told my <laughs> wife I want to go. So I don't know when it'll happen with COVID and stuff, but I'm coming and we're drinking. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was Ross Tucker opening up the Sunday's Irish NFL show. We're delighted to be joined now by a guy from the National Vintage League. You've probably seen him uh, or seen the guys if you've been a fan in Ireland or the UK. Delighted to welcome Chris from NBL National Vintage League. Chris, welcome to the Irish NFL show. Thanks a lot, Michael. Pleasure to be here. Sorry, it's only me. And sorry, I'm not surrounded by vintage, but it's 8.30 at night and, and I do have to sort of get back to my wife every now and again. <laughs> Grand, it's grand. It's it's peak off season now, Chris. At, at the same time, and um, look, I'll, I'll say this: I'm up in Northern Ireland, so like you know, I've seen a lot of what you guys do on TV and stuff. I guess for people in the rest of Ireland, uh, could you maybe explain what what National Village League is if they haven't uh, heard of you guys yet? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, we love the Irish. I'm cloud ring quarter irish we sell to ireland all the time basically vintage shop started a few years ago by my partner hugh um and then since then have sort of branched out into during lockdown we did um a podcast that kind of came out of the back of youtube videos which turned into the nbl show and then off the back of that um channel five reached out to to get us on to to help host their morning show nfl end zone which um was a lot of fun and did half of it during lockdown. Uh, she was in quarantine for some of it. Uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun, uh, and we hope that they get us back this year. Chris, as I think fun is kind of the operative word. There's there's definitely, as we would say, a good bit of crack uh, in <laughs> what you do. Um, interested. You've also had some like proper uh, decent guests on. Um, some of your favorite uh, memories or moments from uh, your time recording thus far. Well, you're doing yourself a disservice. You just had a key to leave on. I couldn't get a key to leave. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, no, you've had, you still, you've had. Well, we've been fortunate. That's why I'm wearing the, you know, we like the, the Broncos connections go go deep on this show. But you have had some decent guests. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, as you'll know, booking guests is a lot of hard work um, and a lot of, you know, throwing stuff up in the air and seeing what sticks. And, um. I mean, for me, one of my favorites was having Maurice Jones drew on and then getting all of the biggest Jags fans in the UK to come on and trick them into thinking they were just going to have a quiz amongst themselves to see who is the biggest Maurice Jones Jew fan uh, in a quiz about Maurice Jones Drew. And then we bring on Maurice Jones Drew as the fifth participant and uh, and he didn't win his own game, which was great. Uh, and uh, I think that was fun because it got to sort of really celebrate the community a lot. And like that's as, as you guys know, that's all we're doing this for is the community in Ireland and the UK and, you know, all over, all over the different nations. It's, 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 we're all the tip of the spear now, you know, and it's so, so wonderful to be part of it. Chris, the, the great thing about doing these, doing these shows is you try to remain as impartial as you possibly can, because at the end of the day, it's an NFL show and Colin is there in the Broncos tonight and I'm a Giants fan and I'm looking at a, a Washington football team jersey. So how do you find keeping impartial when you're doing the show and how long have you been a Washington fan? Well, to be fair, you're looking at an RG3 jersey, oh. so not a lot of great memories there for, <laughs> for us. Um, but the reason I'm wearing it is because I 
feel the same excitement about the season we've got coming up as I did for the RG3 rookie season. And I was in DC, that's where I met my wife and was there from 2011 till to the end of 2017 and, and rode the ride of, of, of the torment, the roller coaster of the doldrums to excellent to awful again. And um, it's funny actually, because my wife is a Dallas, was from Dallas and her dad I don't know if you saw this on one of the NBL shows. On one of the NBL shows, her dad is the trainer for the Cowboys cheerleaders. Um, so when we got Dave Hellman on the show, who works at the Cowboys, we were, did a true and false game with him called Hellman's Yay or Nays, which chef's kiss on the pun. Um, and uh, it was like Yay or Nay, Dave Hellman. You know my father-in-law, and he's like, No, of course I don't. They were like, Well, he's actually this guy, and he was like. No kidding, that's insane. It's it's so funny. All these weird little things like that. I love it. Some of the shows have been great. Like we had Effie on as well, oh. and I have to say, like he was the best crack ever. Like I mean, I love Nando's, but Jesus, I mean, the man literally would eat Nando's until the cows come home. Like, yeah, but Michael, you're not wrong. He we did the Nando's order when he came over. He came to the warehouse, signed the fridge, ordered delivery Nando's, and there was more Nando's than I've ever seen. Right, even at a Nando's restaurant. He got so much stuff and then he was still annoyed because they forgot like the sauce that he wanted for his specific thing, even though there was an entire restaurant with Nando's there. Um, but yeah, he's a good dude, FA. That was a good episode. I like that. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you know, it's hard. It's, it's amazing when you get good guests and it's, it's fun to be able to share all of that with the community. Um, Scott Hansen, I think was our most popular episode because as soon as you get fantasy footballers involved, you know, it just takes on a whole nother level, you know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a lot of fun. But you guys, credit to you, because you guys put out consistent quality episodes. Like, we were, we got to a point where we're like, we can't sustain this. We're just going to call it season one done. We're going to enjoy the summer. Lockdown's ending. Let's see what happens next year. But yeah, hats off to you lot for keeping going. Like, because, sure. yeah, good effort. Uh we, appreciate, we very much appreciate that, Chris. I'm wondering how excited you are by uh, Adam Schefter's tweet this evening that the NFL have approved alternate helmets for teams wearing throwback uniforms starting in 2022. I'm not feeding you questions, Colin, but I did literally just retweet that. <laughs> and I mean, Hugh's going to be happier than me because obviously he's a Bucks fan. Last year for him was insane, um, you know, especially going from watching Jameis at Wembley throw however many Baker's dozen of picks live and then going on to win the Super Bowl, you know, less than 18 months. It's like, for him, it's going to be crazy. And if they can sustain that, but it's two years though, mate. That's, I don't know, is, is that, what's the sell-by date on Brady? I, I don't care, you know, we've got a young dynamic quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick now. So, you know, we've got years ahead of us. Our Super Bowl window's opening, but I don't know. Are they going to get the creamsicle or will it be the Josh Freeman creamsicle? Game management from Ryan. Don't throw any interceptions on. It'll be okay. There are defense win games in Washington. You're the only team that rolled us last year. So you're the yeah. only team that can laugh about, about our offense. It's team. funny you actually should say that because when we were doing our predictions for the second game in Washington, Colin was very adamant that the Washington team was going to win. And at the time we were in the doldrums, we finished the season reasonably better the second half of the season. I said, that's the one team we can be is Washington, so we'll, we'll win this weekend. Oh, but, I don't uh, you remember that. Game twice. Oh, I don't believe me, I remember everything, everything Michael. <laughs> Chris, last year, we obviously with the pandemic, we didn't get any games in, in the UK, which was 
look, we understood why, but at the same time, it was disappointing. So how much look of, are you looking forward to the fact that we're getting two games? And what look on paper right now could be obvious. You never know how teams are going to start seeing. They look two decent games. They do like, look like two decent games. And you've got two storylines there, obviously, with the two rookie quarterbacks coming over. Um, and uh, and at the only drawback, and, I, and, and this is all I'm saying is, there's a, I've got a soft spot for Wembley. I've got a soft spot for Wembley games. And the fact that there's only half the number, I think is just, it's unfair for everyone, really. You know, I want to see multiple games. I want to see them spread outside of London. I want, I want the Germany games to start. You know, I, I don't see why it can't be a more global thing. You know, yeah, time difference, whatever. But I'd love to see a Super Bowl in the UK. I don't think it's a crazy concept to start the game at 9.30 at night in the UK, have it kick off an hour and a half early in the US. People would travel from the West Coast to the East Coast to watch the Super Bowl. People would travel from all over the world. Why not in London? You know, um, but back to the London games, I think that this year is going to be great. The problem is for us, we love the pop-up shops. So we do a pop-up shop. We did it at Wembley two years ago when they had it. It was great. It was uh, uh, the best way for us to meet everyone that we've only known on the internet. Um, and unfortunately, in Tottenham, because of the location of the stadium, it's really hard to find a venue to do that. So we're probably not going to be able to do one on the day. Um, but we are working with Passyunk Avenue. Um, which is a Philly-based bar, and they're opening a big new area down in the Waterloo Arches. And so we're going to do a pre-day, night, evening pop-up shop party with them on the days before. So if you guys are over for the weekend, make sure you come down there the night before on the Saturday, because that's where Absolutely. we'll be. On the game day, I'm hoping to be on the sidelines. I, I don't want to say, I want, I want to make it, but I'm hoping I'm on the sidelines. I don't know how, but if anyone's listening, get me on the sidelines. That, that's right. the game. Like we're that's the game day pick, isn't it? We all want to be on the sidelines. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. That's the that's long the, game I mean, like, for all of us here, you know. I just sort of realised when you said that, like, we're getting to the end of June. There's no ticket. I mean, hopefully the tickets come out soon as well. It's, it's going to be good, but hopefully, like, I mean, we're, we're heading down to that. Hopefully, we can make one, we could definitely make one of those, or maybe, maybe Brian will be fresh-faced on the Saturday, on a Sunday morning, and we'll see. Um, the one thing that I was wondering, Chris, and it's a genuine question, like, you know, this year, out of all years, and I'm a Broncos fan as well, seeing a guy like Tebow come back, like looking at all these retro jerseys, who's your like, if you had to name one player, like most people, or one team that most people buy retro or vintage jerseys from, is there a standout or, or is it all just a mixture which makes it so cool? Or? Well, it's interesting because the most desirable vintage jerseys I always find are from teams that somehow are related to birds, right? but they're the old logo of those bird-based teams. So Ravens, old logo, 96 to 97, the bird, everyone wants that. Seahawks, the old version of the jerseys when it's like lighter blue and green, everyone wants that. Atlanta Falcons, also bird. I've done a lot of thoughts about this. I've got a whole thesis written about the bird-related vintage. Falcons, old logo, like Vic rookie year, much more desirable than later, I mean, whether or not you think of Vic's jersey, but there's another story for another time. Um, and, you know, and then Cardinals as well. People love the old Cardinals stuff, you know, like we had a Pat Tillman state logo in today, like hard to find, like niche jersey. And, you know, it's just, there's so many wonderful things from the past. I'm so happy that these retro jerseys are coming back because the Jets green was better, Phillies green was better, you know, everything was better. Tennessee, if they use the Oilers colors. 
Well, uh, yeah, certainly as a Broncos fan, I'd love us to go back oh, to the, the Orange Crush. Yes, right, we're all the way back, uh, and the old, uh, the old logo as well. Uh, certainly, uh, I think that would be a, a massive improvement. But let's jump forward because, as Michael said, um, we we are at the end of June. You've told us, you know, you're looking forward to, you know, what Washington can potentially do, build on what they did last year. Um, all interested in what else you're you're looking forward to. The books have brought everybody back, so you know we know that they'll be there or thereabouts. But what what are what are your thoughts about the the rest of the league? Are there any kind of um, anybody that you've been a little bit surprised by what they've done in free agency of the draft, or you've really liked somebody who kind of was good last year, and you think maybe they can take a, a jump forward this year? Well, I was doing an accumulator because I know you guys do some stuff with the betting, right? And I looked at my accumulator today and, and one of the only divisions that I think it's really hard to call is who's going to win is um, NFC West. I think Cardinals, Rams, you know, Seahawks, Niners, difficult to pick which is going to be the best team there. But I think in a lot of the other divisions, you can kind of pick it. No offense to the Broncos, but you're not it in your division. I don't know if that's blindsiding you. <laughs> Who's been um, in the NFC East? More importantly, that's the... <laughs> bro. I've got. I've already got me. Uh, I my um, a very close friend of mine is a big Cowboys fan, and we've already made a bet that the loser bought steak. Steak. It's a steak dinner for the better better result out of the two because we swept them last year, and uh, always going to love to see it. You can't argue with. Uh, uh, it's the NFC is asked to lose. It's asked to lose. I mean, we've upgraded every single position. You know, Antonio Gibson's going to be insane. Everyone's forgetting Matt Ioannidis is coming back for our D-line. You know, the cornerback situation, we've got William Jackson III. St. Juiced is looking like a stud. You know, it, it's all up to Fitzy and that O-line. And that's it. You've got Curtis Samuel. We've got, you know, Diami Brown, Terry McLaurin. All of these guys run 4-3. It's, it's a track meet. You just need Fitzy to come through and not be tragic. And I think we can do it. I think he can do it, honestly. I think he's got the he's in the best position to succeed. And what a story that would be. What a storyline. You know, trucked around the league, 14 different teams, whatever it is, never given a chance, never given the offense, never given a defense, never given an offensive line, always brought in to carry a team. He's ready. It's magic time. Hyped. Chris, we brought in Godley. We brought in Tony. We brought in Kyle Rudolph. Saquon Barkley is effectively a new player because he didn't play last year beyond week two. Oh, okay. Devontae Booker on his day is, is not too bad, so he's a new running back. It's all down to Daniel Jones. The defense yeah. last year was the 12th yeah. best in the league and has improved. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. So, so yeah, the reason Saquon didn't play last year was because he tore his ACL. Oh, yeah. Um, Players have come back from ACLs. You overpaid Kenny Golladay <laughs> in a Dan Schneider-esque way. And Kadarius Tony was a reach, as in a going back to the back of the vinyl crate, old school jungle reach. But mm. good for you. I think we could make a bet if you want. I'm, I'm hyped on my team. I've got money down. Let's I, go. The only thing I'd say, I think it's hilarious the way everyone just assumes is the Cowboys will be in the running. If anything, uh, I think it's between the Giants and Washington. Good to be. Definitely, definitely. I think Giants are going to be improved, definitely. And I am just yanking your chain. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of unknowns on that team and you've got to hope it gels together. Um, True. You know, Very true. I think the Broncos are missing uh, Aaron Rodgers. Everybody. Um, <laughs> so let's let's jump over to the AFC side because obviously that's that's it. that's the conference that's not relevant to us. Okay, right. But AFC, AFC. I think, where where do you think I they? Think, they I think the Titans are winning the South. 
Oof. Easily, okay. right? I think um, that, and this is the only one where I think I might, I'm a bit, mm, I think the Browns are going to win the, the, um, the North, right? Because it could be the Ravens, but I just think the Browns' D is going to be too good this year. I think people are really sleeping on it. And if OBJ is anything, you know, I think that one, two running back punch is devastating. Um, I, but yeah, that's the one I'm not as confident with. Um, and then what's the other one? I think that, I think the bills are going to win the East, um, regardless of what the Patriots did. I think the bills are built to succeed for a few years now. Um, and then who's in the, well, yeah, I've already said Kansas is going to win the West. Nailed it. I can't dream well. Um, Ooh, that, that's harsh. That country might. That's harsh on the on the Chargers. If if the Chargers oh. can stay fit, I think uh, they... not after week one. They're not going to stay fit, Colin. We're going to roll them. They're going to end up in. <laughs> going to look like they're going to look like the bench at the end of Space Jam. Oh, that is a very tricky see. opening game. In fairness, you uh, Chris, just just last one for me. You you described um, a guest on your show as a legend, Colin Wolf. Could you maybe tell us a crack about uh, Colin Wolf's appearance? Because I know it was it was a, it was a great guest at the time as well. But it's such a good watch as well. Man. It, I mean, it's funny that you say that because we got into a bit of trouble for that one. Because if you if you remember, we did a cold open, and the cold open was kind of making fun of NFL UK. And we've since buried the hatchet with NFL UK, but it has come up in meetings and we did have to kind of apologize for doing it. So just on the record as well, sorry, but not sorry for doing that funny cold open, go and check it out for yourself. But um, no, all good with NFL UK now. Uh, we just did a post with them. Um, we'd collaborated on a post for their Insta, which was great. And looking forward to our relationship moving forward for the next year. But back to the episode, Colleen, repped us from day one. So even before I joined the company, right, Colleen had already got a DeLong uh, Kelly Green uh, satin off hue, which she wore whilst broadcasting for the Super Bowl in the bar um, that she grew up in. Such a good plug. And um, she's always stand for us. Like every time we had anything sort of Eaglesy, we'd sort of say, hey, do you want anything? Because her husband is also an Eagles fan. So we like, oh, we'll get something for John, blah, blah, blah. Sent them a couple of hats, blah, blah, blah. Had a nice relationship. But then we were like, okay, if we're going to relaunch this show, we need we need someone with, you know, a real a heavy hitter for the first like proper episode. And so we reached out to her, and she was so cool, and has subsequently been so cool with everything. Um, literally a, a legend, you know. And some of the draft stuff she does is hilarious, and she was such a fun guest. And uh, yeah, I think she finished editing the video, and I think I don't know, she might say she comes comes back to me and just goes. Do you know, I think I'm in love with Colleen Wolf. <laughs> it's like, I just had to watch video of her for like three hours and she's just such a wonderful human being. And it's, I, I mean, she, he kind of nailed it. She is such a wonderful human being. Love her. Um, Apart from being an Eagles fan, so scum, obviously. But other than that, love, lovely, lovely person. I I spent uh, I went to Philly when I was seventeen on a Habitat for Humanity project. I got a special uh, a soft spot for Philly. I I always will. But look, we we it's been a pleasure having you on. We barely scratched the surface. We'll have oh, we'll to do it again. Let's yes. do it again. Yeah, we'll do it right. again when I'm back in the office and we can yes, like let's go Washington Giants. We can we... go around. <laughs> we well, can, hey, we can, don't yeah. you guys have a meetup? 
in Belfast at some point in November. We do? Right. Yeah, so we Belfast do. in the UK. So if stuff sort of working out that we can travel, maybe the first NVL pop-up outside of the UK combined. Let's, yeah. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. I, I'm very, very glad to announce as well, Chris, that these two gentlemen here can't go to Ibiza from next Wednesday, but I can. It's the only joy of living in Northern <laughs> Ireland. So yeah, let, let, let's do it, man. Let's do it. But, but, but will he be going, Chris? That's the real thing. Well, that was, <laughs> I mean, close second for first MVL pop-up outside of the UK was Ibiza. So it's, you know. That sounds like a really good idea, man. I like huge that Huge vintage heads in Ibiza. Massive Raiders fan base there. We we have big news for both you and Mark when uh, when we meet uh, when we meet them. There were uh, plenty to discover. But look, Chris, we want to thank you for taking the time. For anyone, check them out National Vintage League on Twitter. You can check out all of their their gear as well. Various links through. See all of the cool vintage stuff. I have. I still have my old starter jacket, which I absolutely adore. Uh, so, Chris Miller, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Been a pleasure.